Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Beloved family, so good to be with you. Do you ever get tired of my saying that? I do not get tired of saying it because I am truly happy to be with you. I am so happy to be Catholic. I am a happy camper. We have gone through a bit of, uh, oh, a few years of a little bit of trial here in Tulsa. Uh, We're still looking for a home and a bishop. Um, And uh, we trust God. Uh, You know, sometimes we say with the psalmist, how long, O Lord, how long? But God's ways are perfect. His timing is perfect. His will is perfect. And we want absolutely nothing else. So we are happy campers and we are at peace and so happy to be with you. You know, it's because of Station of the Cross, LifeSite News, um, and all the wonderful people who uh, keep those apostolates alive and all the donors who make it possible um, it's a, it's kind of an oasis in a church that's going a little crazy right now. It's so good to have solid people that we stick together and that the faith is loved and not compromised and not distorted. It's truly wonderful. We have been reading an article by um, Edward Penton, who had a wonderful Edward Penton of the National Catholic Register who had a wonderful interview with Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Robert Seurat, uh, who is the Prefect of the Congregation of Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments. And um, it is titled Cardinal Seurat's Cri de Cour, The Cry of His Heart. The Catholic Church has lost its sense of the sacred. That is the cry of the Cardinal's heart and the cry of many of our hearts as well. So in this interview, we've already probably covered the, most of it. Um, Edward Penton's uh, question, which we're halfway through the Cardinal's answer, the last question of the Cardinal is, what aspects of the liturgical reform have had a positive or negative effect on the faithful, in your opinion? What aspects of the liturgical reform, Cardinal Seurat, have had a positive or negative effect on the faithful, in your opinion? And we've read half of that answer in the previous podcast, um, but we continue today uh, at this point. Finally, the Cardinal says, if the liturgy is the work of Christ, and it is, the Opus Dei, the work of God, it is not necessary for the celebrant to introduce his own comments. Oh, I beg every priest to listen to this. I cannot tell you how you grieve the faithful by your own comments, by disturbing the liturgy. You distract us from prayer. It is not helpful. It, it kind of brings the liturgy down. It is not, Cardinal Seurat says, the multitude of formulas and options, as well as the continual change of prayers and an exuberance of liturgical creativity that pleases God, but metanoia, 
the radical change in our lives and behaviors seriously polluted by sin and marked by liquid atheism. I said the other day, liquid atheism is to claim to believe in God and live as if he doesn't exist. It is necessary, the Cardinal says, to remember that when the missile authorizes an intervention, it must not become a profane and human discourse, let alone a commentary on current events or a worldly greeting to those present, but a brief exhortation to enter into the mystery. Nothing profane has its place in liturgical actions. It would be a serious mistake to believe that worldly, spectacular elements would encourage the participation of the faithful. These elements can only promote human participation and not participation in Christ's religious and salvific action. Now we go on from where we left off. We see, says Cardinal Seurat, we see a beautiful illustration of this in the prescriptions of the Council. While the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy has repeatedly recommended the conscious and active participation and even the full intelligence of the rites, R-I-T-E-S, it recommends in one movement the Latin language prescribing that the faithful may also be able to say or to sing together in Latin those parts of the ordinary of the Mass which pertain to them. You see, the Latin was never abolished, beloved. Indeed, the Cardinal says, the intelligence of the rites is not the work of human reason alone, which should grasp everything, understand everything, master everything. The intelligence of sacred rites presupposes a real participatio in what they express of the mystery. This intelligence is that of the sensus fide, the sense of the faithful, who exercises the living faith through the symbol and who knows by attunement more than by concept. Christ's passion is also a liturgy. Only a look of faith can discover the work of redemption accomplished out of love. The only thing human reason sees in it is the failure of death and the horror of the cross. Entering the participatio, actuoso, the actual participation, implies that like the disciples of Emmaus, we let ourselves be touched by the breaking of bread to understand the scriptures. As Pope Francis reminded us a short while ago, Cardinal Seurat says, the priest does not have to give himself the appearance of a showmaster or a show host to win the admiration of an assembly. On the contrary, he must participate in Christ's action, enter into it, become its instrument. Therefore, he will not have to speak constantly and face the assembly, but rather he will have to act in persona Christi and in a nuptial dialogue involve the faithful in this participation. It is therefore appropriate that during the penitential rite, the offertory and the Eucharistic prayer all turn together 
to the cross, or better still, to the East, to express their willingness to participate in the work of worship and redemption carried out by Christ and through him by the church. All that the priest does, beloved, he offers the sacrifice to Christ. He should not be facing the congregation. He should be leading the sheep to the shepherd, to Christ. And people say, I don't want the back of the priest to me. Well, that's not the point. His front is to Christ. He happens to have a back, so there's no other part of his body that can face us. He is leading us to Christ in the same posture we take, in the same direction, in the same position. Edward Penton asked Cardinal Seurat, why do you think more and more young people are attracted to traditional liturgy, that is, the extraordinary form? And Cardinal Seurat says, I do not think so. I see it. I am a witness to it. And young people have entrusted me with their absolute preference for the extraordinary form, more educative and more insistent on the primacy and centrality of God, silence and on the meaning of the sacred and the divine transcendence. But above all, how can we understand? How can we not be surprised and deeply shocked that what was the rule yesterday is prohibited today? That's a question, huh, beloved? Is it not true that prohibiting or suspecting the extraordinary form can only be inspired by the demon who desires our suffocation and spiritual death? That's a statement, hmm? I'm going to reread it. Is it not true that prohibiting or suspecting the extraordinary form can only be inspired by the demon who desires our suffocation and spiritual death. I cannot count, beloved, the number of bishops and dioceses I have spoken to who have no interest in the extraordinary form of the Mass and prohibit it and speak negatively negatively of it. Cardinal Seurat continues, when the extraordinary form is celebrated in the spirit of the Second Vatican Council, it reveals its full fruitfulness. How can we be surprised that a liturgy that has carried so many saints continues to smile at young souls thirsty for God. Like Benedict XVI, I hope, Cardinal Seurat says, I hope that the two forms of the Roman rite will be mutually enriching. This implies getting out of a hermeneutic of rupture. Both forms have the same faith and the same theology, to oppose them is a profound ecclesiastical, uh, ecclesiolo- sorry, ecclesiological error. It means destroying the church by tearing it out of its tradition and making it believe what the church considered holy in the past is now wrong and unacceptable. What a deception and insult to all the saints who have gone before us. What a vision of the church. We must move away from dialectical oppositions, Cardinal Seurat says. The council did not wish to break with the liturgical forms inherited from tradition, but on the contrary, to better enter and participate more fully in them. The conciliar constitution stipulates that, quote, new forms adopted should in some way grow organically 
from forms already existing. It would therefore be wrong to oppose the council to the tradition, to oppose the council to the traditions of the church. In this sense, it is necessary that those who celebrate the extraordinary form do so with a spirit of opposition, without a spirit of opposition, and therefore in the spirit of sacrosanctum concilium. I know, beloved, this can sound confusing and difficult to some. Um, I'm reading you what Cardinal Seurat has said and Edward Penton transcribed in this interview. Um, It would also be desirable to include in the appendix of a future edition of the Missal, the penitential rite, and the offertory of the extraordinary form in order to emphasize that the two liturgical forms, excuse me, that the two liturgical forms illuminate each other in continuity and without opposition. That is very difficult for some to see, beloved. I know that. Um, Some of that is difficult for me also to see. If we live in this spirit, then the liturgy will cease to be the place of rivalries and criticism and will finally lead us into the great heavenly liturgy. Edward Penton um, asks Cardinal Robert Seurat this. In many parts of Africa, although liturgies are often long, they are also characterized by free expressions of song, dance, and applause which some would describe as an abuse of a more reverent, dark, and prayerful liturgy. And yet, orthodoxy is alive and well on the continent. How do you explain this? Cardinal Robert Seurat says this, In Africa, the faithful sometimes walk for hours to go to Mass. They are hungry for the Gospel and the Eucharist. They walk for miles and come to Mass to stay with God for a long time. To listen to his word, to be nourished by his presence. They give to God their time, their lives, their fatigue, and their poverty. They give to God everything they are and everything they have, and their joy is to have given everything. Their joy sometimes manifests itself too externally, and Africans must learn interiority and silence. They must ban applause and shrieking that have nothing to do with the mystery of God. They must eliminate speech, folklore, the exuberance of words that hinder the encounter with God. God dwells dwells in man's silence and interiority. Man's heart is the temple of God, because I know Cardinal Seurat says, because I know that Africans know how to get down on their knees and commune with respect and reverence. I believe, says Cardinal Seurat, that Africans have a deep sense of the sacred. We are not ashamed to worship God, to proclaim ourselves dependent on him. Above all, Africans are happy to let themselves be taught the faith without contesting or questioning it. I believe that Africa's grace is that of knowing itself and remaining a child of God. 
I underline in this book, this book is Cardinal Seurat's latest book, The Day Is Now Far Spent. Cardinal Seurat says, I underline in this book that at the heart of modern Western thought, there is a refusal to be a child, a refusal to be a father, which is basically a refusal of God. I discern in the depths of Western hearts a deep revolt against the creative fatherhood of God. We receive from him our nature as men and women. It has become unbearable to modern minds. Gender ideology is luciferic. Listen to this, beloved. Gender ideology is a luciferic refusal to receive a sexual nature from God. The West refuses to receive. It only accepts what it builds itself. Transhumanism is the ultimate avatar of this movement. Even human nature, because it is a gift from God, becomes unbearable to the Western man. This revolt is in its spiritual essence. It is Satan's revolt against the gift of grace. Basically, Cardinal Seurat says, I believe that the Western man refuses to be saved by pure mercy. He refuses to receive salvation and wants to build it by himself. The Western values promoted by the UN are based on a refusal of God that I compare to that of the rich young man in the gospel. God looked at the West and loved it because it did great things. He invited the West to go further, but the West turned away, preferring the riches it owned only to itself. Africans know that they are poor and small before God. They are proud to kneel, happy to be dependent on an almighty creator and father. Beloved, I don't know how far we are from the break and I know this is probably a little tedious for some of you to follow, but um, um, I want—we're coming up on the break fairly soon. And when we do, for the next half hour, I will take your calls, your texts, your emails, um, and the toll-free number to call in is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. You can text at that number as well, or you can email at mother at the station of the cross. Dot com mother at the station of the cross dot com um, I don't have a clock um, before me so okay here we go um, we do have a few minutes left so I will go on to Ed Penton's next question for the cardinal he says to the cardinal the church in Africa is well known for her sense of community sharing transcendence and respect for the magisterium How can these forces best be used to show the way forward for the universal church, especially in those parts where secularism and nihilism have taken root? Cardinal Seurat says this, Beloved, I would ask you, try everything you can to to focus on this or to look up the National Catholic Register's interview of Edward Penton with Cardinal Seurat This is a wise and holy man of God who is grieving deeply for the situation in the church. 
Cardinal Sarat says the church in Africa is well known for her sense of community, sharing transcendence and respect for the magisterium. Well, that's Edward Penton's question, rather. I'm repeating it. How can these forces best be used to show the way forward for the universal church, especially in those parts where secularism and nihilism have taken root? And the cardinal answers, the West was at the root of the crisis. It is up to it to implement the antidote. To do this, we must start from the experience of the monasteries. They are places where God is simply and concretely at the center of life. God is the life of man's life. Without God, man resembles a huge and majestic river that would have cut itself off from its source. Sooner or later, this river will dry up and die permanently. We must create places where virtues can flourish. It is time to regain the courage of our nonconformism. Christians must have the strength to form oasis where the air is breathable, where quite simply Christian life is possible. I call on Christians, Cardinal Seurat says. I call on Christians to open oasis of gratuitousness in the desert of triumphant profitability. Yes, you cannot be alone in the desert of society without God. A Christian who remains alone is a Christian in danger. He will eventually be devoured by the sharks of the trading society. Christians, he says, must gather in communities around their churches. They must rediscover the vital importance of an intense, continuous, and persevering life of prayer. A man who does not pray looks like a seriously ill man who suffers from a total paralysis of the arms, legs, and has lost the use of speech, hearing, and sight. This man is cut off from all essential relationships, He is a dead man. To renew our relationship with God is to breathe, to live fully. We must create places where the heart and mind can breathe, where the soul can turn to God in a very concrete way. Our communities must put God at the center of our lives, our liturgies and our churches. And beloved, I know so many of you so many of us, but so many of you out there, I'm in a community, but so many of you out there feel so isolated and abandoned. You could be a good Catholic family who is isolated. You could be an individual that's isolated or a couple. I know that. And we need to stay together. We need to be together, which is one of the reasons why we began Mary's Oblates. It will be third order. It'll be the Benedictine Oblates of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, our community. And to shorten it, we've just called it Mary's Oblates. And you can be anywhere in the world. You don't have to qualify for anything, only wanting to be a part of this somewhat of a discipleship program to apply, and you'll be accepted. All you have to do is want to be a part. There's no requirements. We have a little form for you to fill out, so we have your contact information, and we'll send you a monthly a um, little tiny newsletter once a month, maybe for something very short, with the next step for you to do, something for you to read, 
uh, it'll be a, a, a beautiful little packed four-page um, newsletter that we'll send you. If you haven't received our newsletter, or you have, but you would like to send in one of these forms, you can go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and our, our newsletter, our most recent newsletter, um, is the summer of 2019, and it is on our homepage. You can download that, print it out, and cut out the last page and uh, photocopy it or send it to us as is filled out. Or you can click on the newsletter tab, again download the newsletter, and send us the form um, at the inside back cover of the newsletter. Very, very simple. Your name and address, maybe an email, a phone, some way for us to send it to you and to get you going. And I think the very first thing we're going to do, this is not going to be a normal Benedictine oblate uh, community. The first thing we want very much to do is to help you to begin to pray at home and to set up a little prayer table or a prayer corner or something to help you take even a consistent five minutes a day out to be with God. And we'll have instructions in there for how to do that. As simple as it is, it's very simple. But sometimes by having it in front of you on a piece of paper, it helps us to do that. There's the music for our break, beloved. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. You know, I made a mistake earlier. I'm giving you out the phone number, but this is not a live program. It's a fresh program for you, but it is pre-recorded. Um, so it's everything is fresh, and I'm taking emails, but you, you're not able to call in today. I apologize for that. I just uh, forgot for a minute. But you can email with anything on your heart at mother at the station of the cross.com. We're going to take an email from Andrew, which we actually began yesterday. I'm going to read it from the beginning. Uh, Andrew says, Dear Mother Miriam, I am a frequent listener of the station of the cross 1060 AM. I have been following your program over the last year. I have some comments and overall concerns in reference to your stances and interpretation of doctrine and relationship to the Holy Father. First, he says, I would like to express that I do agree that we are living in times when God is not the focus of the family and we are coping with the reality of secularization. I can speak for my local area in Boston that it has become less Christian. I support and appreciate that you express the need for a return to the sacramental life of the church and the need to allow Christ into the hearts and minds of our nation. This is imperative that you continue to speak about and to inspire others to do so. We are experiencing as a church decreased mass attendance, less vocations to the priesthood, religious life, and even overall lay involvement. These are all realities, and the need to address them is essential for the survival of the Catholic faith. I absolutely agree with you, dear Andrew, 100%. However, Mother Andrew writes, I'm deeply concerned that you have implied and even promoted the extraordinary form of the Mass as superior to the Novus Ordo, the ordinary form. Pope Benedict, when he initiated the motu proprio on the Mass, allowing for the extraordinary form to be used, he did not in any way call for it to replace the Novus Ordo. He says the Novus Ordo, order, but it's Novus Ordo Mass. You have promoted the need for... Okay, before we go on to the next, I do believe it's superior, Andrew. It is more reverent, um, and the prayers are absolutely magnificent, and there is, there's no place for the irreverence to take place. There's no place for Eucharistic ministers, for lay people, to handle the Eucharist, that which that should only be handled by a priest or a deacon. Um, the, there's much greater reverence in the extraordinary form. I, I do say that. Um, Andrew goes on, you have promoted the need for women wearing veils at Mass and a return to a church that is long gone of 1955, which is not coming back. Well, let me just say, before I go on to the next point, um, it's not a need for wearing veils. Uh, that's abs- absolutely optional, but I do wish women would wear veils. And as I said, I think I got in yesterday that uh, Dr. Alice von Hildebrand has said that women don't wear veils because they're inferior, but because they're sacred. And whatever is sacred, like the tabernacle itself, needs to be covered. It's a wonderful thing when women um, veil themselves. Um, Truly, it is a wonderful, because they are sacred. They do bring forth life. Uh, And it's a wonderful thing. It was also uh, always the case in the Jewish faith, and it began 
uh, straight into the church in the first century, women wouldn't think of not wearing veils. So it's carried on. And now, for the most part, it's been lost. But I would like to see it come back. Andrew said, you have also in your program questioned the Second Vatican Council's documents on the Mass, on Christian unity, and a variety of other topics. Um, You seem to be calling for a more militaristic church and triumphant, which looks at the world as evil to separate oneself from the world. Well, I'm, I don't, I'm not calling the church more militaristic or triumphant. Uh, the church, we are the church militant on earth. We are the church triumphant in heaven. Um, and we are the church suffering in purgatory. Those are the church's terms for us. We are, we are militant on earth, suffering in purgatory, and triumphant in heaven. It's all of those. Um, Andrew says, you seem to be calling for a more militaristic church in triumphant, which looks at the world as evil and to separate oneself from the world. Well, the world may not be evil. People are not evil, but what's in the world is of the evil one. Um, That's why Christ said we are to be in the world and not of it. We are not to be of the world. Um, uh, Andrew goes on to say, these are all your opinion, not the official teachings. Well, I'm speaking about the teachings of the church, beloved. And these are dividing our church. People who do not know their faith well are listening to your personal opinions on these issues and could be taking them as reality. I hope you consider making clear the teachings of the church under which is under the authority of Pope Francis. He is our Pope, who the Holy Spirit called to lead by expressing your personal feelings. You are misguiding the faithful away from the reality. Well, Andrew, um, where and if and where that is the case, I deeply regret it and uh, need and wish to be corrected. Um, how, however, it is the case that much of the magisterium, um, including the Pope today, in his words, are misguiding the faithful away from reality. Uh, that is the case. It's a frightening case. It's a sad case. But the church is being led astray by the very shepherds who should lead it into the truth for the salvation of their souls. So um, I'm not giving you my opinions. Everything I say is based on church teaching, Andrew. Everything I say is based on church teaching. And you can look it up in the germ, General Instruction of the Roman Missal, um, and um, in the teachings of uh, Pope Benedict and uh, Cardinal Seurat themselves. Um, We have an email from Tony who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I listened to your broadcast recently about the demonic influence upon the Pope. I believe Pope Francis is either not a valid Pope or that as Pope he is actively attempting to destroy the Church. Is it possible that a valid Pope could work toward the destruction of the Church he has graced to protect. Thank you, and may God multiply your efforts and those of your religious order. I tell you what, Tony, I'm not able to answer this um, because um, now I haven't talked about a de- demonic influence upon the Pope. You'll never have heard me saying those words. Um, but um, 
But I have said that some things that have been said uh, are demonic. If they're against the faith, they are demonic. I didn't say the Pope was demonic, but some of his plans, I say, are demonic. Um, That doesn't mean that he is. I don't know who's putting those plans into effect, but if they're against Christ and his church, then they are demonic. There's no in-between. There's the music for our break, beloved. It'll be a short break, and um, I think we'll be back uh, after it very, very soon. Email, if you wish, at mother at the station of the cross. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is the Pope Paul VI Institute Minute with Dr. Tom Hilgers. What are other disturbing trends in women's health care and the care of children and families? Since the 1960s, despite advances in medicine, we have seen increased prematurity, babies born with low birth weights, and multiple pregnancies. Many of you know that along with multiple pregnancies, especially those resulting from the artificial reproductive technologies, selective reduction is increasingly performed. This is a well-crafted, deliberately deceptive term for abortion of one or more of the babies. Sadly, we have also been witnessing an increase in infertility and impaired fertility and a dramatic increase in sexually transmitted diseases, related cancers, and AIDS. I believe, and the studies are backing this belief, that these disturbing trends are related. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. Log on to www.popepaulvi6.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Um, We're here to take your emails today. We won't be able to take live phone calls, but we will take your emails. And I'd like to go back to Tony. Uh, I don't think I really fully answered you, Tony, uh, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I listened to your broadcast recently about the demonic influence upon the Pope, and I just wanted to clarify, my words were not that there's a demonic influence upon the Pope, but that the global pact that's being proposed and other things being proposed are demonic. Some of the cardinals have looked at the working instrument of the um, uh, the Amazon Synod and said that it's heretical. Um, Christ is not a part of it. Uh, it's very destructive for the church. So um, I, I certainly uh, believe that, um, but not that the Pope himself is influenced by the demonic. I cannot say that. But Tony says, I believe Pope Francis is either not a valid Pope 
or that as Pope, he is actively attempting to destroy the church. Tony, this is a great, painful situation for us. Uh, There are a number of people who do not think he's a valid pope, and yet there must be a pope. Um, And there are many who believe he's trying to destroy the church or change it in such a way that it certainly will never be the same. Is it possible, Tony asked, that a valid pope could work toward the destruction of the church he has grace to protect? You know, uh, Tony, I cannot answer that. I just cannot answer. I would think that a valid pope would be protected from destroying the church. However, we do know that the gift of infallibility has only to do with the pope's statements when he is teaching infallibly on a matter of faith and morals that is binding on the faithful. Outside of that, he can err like any of us. Um, is it possible for a valid pope to lead the church astray um, or toward the destruction of the church? Um, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I look in the past. Uh, there have been many. There have been times that there have been uh, more than one pope uh, claiming to the to the pope to the papacy. Um, uh, there's one of them is true. Um, can he aid in the destruction of it? Uh, I don't know. I would think he'd be. We would be protected from his doing that, but um, canonically and um, uh, spiritually, if that's possible, dear one, I don't know. Um, we have to leave it at that. But your questions are the questions most of us are asking today, and we're in the middle of a mystery here. It's very difficult to make conclusions about Pope Francis, but it's equally difficult to give an answer to what he's doing right now because it does appear to be destroying the church. And um, were it not for God's promise that the gates of hell won't prevail against God's church, we might be more fearful. But we're not fearful because this is the church our Lord's established, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We know that. We have an email from someone who writes anonymously and says, I was watching Catholic Answers today, and they talk about the right of the Catholic family to decide the number of and spacing of children. Does that mean NFP, natural family planning, can be used any time? Thank you, Mother. Well, natural family planning is not Catholic birth control. That's very very, very important to know. I wish it weren't called natural family planning. I wish the planning were procreation instead. We are not supposed to plan our families or prohibit them. However, um, God has built in a rhythm to the woman's body. And so the church says in serious cases, uh, financial hardship, emotional, psychological, medical, uh, whatever the real hardship may be, Um, you are certainly, um, we can resort to natural family planning, NFP, that is keeping track of a woman's cycle and restrain from intimacy during her fertile times. That is so. But to just wait two years to save up for a house before you have children, that is not good. That is sinful. That is sinful. Um, And if you do that from your marriage night on, in your, on your honeymoon, your marriage is not even consummated. So no, 
Uh, it's not to be used as Catholic birth control, but yes, if there's a reason for it, a serious reason um, for you to uh, postpone, delay, or space your children, or even not have another child, you can certainly practice uh, natural family planning uh, in its natural way, yes. Um, we have an email from Father James. Father James says, I find your interpretation of Pope Francis's call for a common attempt to educate humanity. Okay, let me start this again. I find your interpretation of Pope Francis's call for a common attempt to educate humanity for the sake of human life and justice to be unjustified and false. Bringing humanity together is not contrary to the gospel. Rather, it prepares the soul, the soil for truth. As the famous quote puts it, grace builds on nature. Oh, dear Father James, of course grace builds on nature, and there's nothing wrong with unity. But Pope Francis's call for a common attempt to educate humanity for the sake of human life um, and justice uh, in a so-called global pact um, uh, is, is, is not uh, speaking. I wish I, I wish I had. My goodness, I wish I had the document in front of me. In fact, I do. Um, I do have it that... Um, what um, Cardinal Burke and um, Pope Francis, or rather Cardinal Burke and um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder have written, um, it's, um, uh, my goodness, um, they've they've called it a, a, a manifestation of confusion. And it's many, many pages long, but if I can just get to the um, the heart of it here, of the principal errors they talk about, um, um, and they said that the American cardinal uh, and the the Kazakhstan bishop, Cardinal Burke and um, Bishop Snyder, write that they believe it is their duty to make the faithful aware of six principal errors being spread through the Instrumentum Laboris, the working document of the Amazon Synod, and also this idea of a, of a world uh, government, a global world government. It will obliterate religion. It will obliterate freedom. Um, I don't know where to go here. Um, here it is, uh, John Smeaton, you can look this up online, we won't have time in the program, who is the director of uh, the Society of Protection for the Unborn, for Unborn Children, SPUC, S-U-P-C, has written a, a tremendous piece, and it's Vatican's, the Vatican's and Catholic Bishops' promotion of dangerous teaching on sex education will add fuel to the raging fire of child abuse. So, um, attempt to educate humanity for the sake of human life and justice, uh, you find my interpretation is to be false, but it will destroy people. Sex education 
in in the way Pope Francis is going about it, in a, in a universal global pact, uh, it it's going to destroy us. Um, um, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't even know where to start on that. Grace builds on nature, but this this is doing away with grace. Uh, this is doing away with religion. If you read the working document of the Amazon uh, um, Synod, it doesn't even, uh, Christ, uh, one of the bishops, or Cardinal Kafar, I think, not Kafar, I forget who it is who said it, said Christ is not even mentioned there. It has nothing to do with Christianity. This is a whole different thing. Uh, This is destroying Christianity, Father James. I don't want to correct you. I wish you would quote um, Pope Francis's call for a common, common. They're talking about a common home. Earth is not our common home. Heaven is the common home of Christians. Um, A common attempt to educate humanity for the sake of human life. The Pope wants the church to have an Amazonian face and it's supposed to have the face of Christ, Vultus Christi. Uh, it's not to have the face of the Amazon. Uh, it, it in every way would would destroy the church. Um, the bishop's right is the first thing that the, the Holy Father is talking about in the working, the instrumentum laborious, is an implicit, implicit pantheism identification of God with the universe and nature where God and the world are one. Um, uh, it's, it is rejected by the magisterium. Uh, secondly, um, they criticize the notion put forward. Let me see. Um, the, the cardinal and the bishop criticize the notion put forward in the working document that pagan superstitions are sources of divine revelation and alternative pathways for salvation. It's not so. Pagan superstitions are not a divine revelation and alternative pathways for salvation. Uh, This implies Amazon tribes have pagan superstitions that are an expression of divine revelation. There's so much here, Father James. I might be misunderstanding you, but... um, I see nothing but the destruction of the faith and the church in what Pope Francis is proposing for a common attempt to educate humanity. There's nothing of Christ in it. There's nothing of salvation in it. There's nothing of repentance or sin or heaven. Nothing. I I don't know specifically, my dear father, what you are referring to. So I'll ask you to clarify it in a further email or, or something that will help us. Um, we have an email from Sal who writes, Good morning, Mother. My son is currently a senior in a Catholic high school. He is interested in going to Catholic University of America, the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Can you give some thoughts on the quality of education, Catholic teaching that he will receive there? And can you suggest some other good Catholic universities? Yes, I suggest that... Um, that you uh, check out the Cardinal Newman uh, list of good colleges. Begin with that. The John Henry Cardinal Newman list 
of colleges because they will give you their ratings and they will give you um, what is the curriculum of good, faithful Catholic colleges and those that have gone astray, those that are a mixture of both, those that have left the Catholic faith but keep the name Catholic. Um, Sal, I would would recommend very much going to John Henry Cardinal Newman, um, their rating of Catholic colleges. You can find it on the web, um, on the Internet, and... um, uh, and get it there. There are wonderful Catholic colleges. I don't know why your son has chosen the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Uh, I don't know what his major is, what he is studying. There are Thomas Aquinas, uh, Christendom. Um, um, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking at the moment. Uh, I would I would have sent John Paul II the Great, but that's no longer the case. Um, I, I'm I'm a blank right now, but call the Newman Society and they will help you with that. We have an email from Jenny, who says, "Dear Mother Miriam, I wish that I could say this in a nicer manner, but do you think that some of the things you say are too argumentative? Probably everything I say is argumentative because people want to argue against truth." and argue against what is good. It seems to me that there have been times when you say that parents need to homeschool their children, that they are sinning if they are not homeschooling. I've never said that, not once. Jenny, if you ever find it in any podcast, you bring it up to me. I have never said that any parent is not sinning, that they do not homeschool. Absolutely not. That is no mandate to homeschool your child. Um, Also, she says, not all flu shots and vaccines are evil to use. I agree with that. In fact, I believe the flu shots are no longer illicit. I just don't think that you need to be so harsh on listening. I'm not harsh on listeners. I'm harsh on evil. And if flu shots are made from aborted baby parts, such as the, is it rubella, the chickenpox vaccine, that's evil. We, We can't do evil that good might come from it. I'm not being harsh on listeners, Jenny. Uh, Sometimes it takes hard things to save somebody's life. Um, And that's what I'm trying to do. Speak truth, that uh, the truth may be salvific for souls. Okay, God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you in the morning, or I think on Monday. God bless you.